welcome to Launch Left Podcast. Yes, summer Phoenix. And Rain Phoenix. Yes, welcome to Launch Left Podcast, a space for famed creatives to launch the next wave of music rebels. Who do we got today? Today, Sam Phillips comes in and she launches... S.I. Histoire. Who is... So a, incredible. It's beautiful. And if you want to hear, you know, a youth quote Plato and reference Sondheim within 30 seconds of one another, tune in. Really, really a cool interview between a mom and a daughter who also happens to be a famed luminary and a launched artist, which was kind of a first for us here at Launch Left. And uh, also they're old friends from way back in the 90s. So it was a cool chance to catch up and um, hear what the kids are doing, especially the left of center kids. Uh, Simone is her first name, and she expounded so much about experimental music and where she was she going to school. Us. Yeah, she basically schooled us. And, and that is one thing we want to be clear. We're doing this to learn, Summer yeah. and I. We know, we know nothing. nothing. Yeah. We know nothing is our main tagger for Summer and I. And so this is an opportunity for us to learn about music and artists and uh, do our best to uh, hold space for you listeners to hear what these great gifted creatives have to say. Awesome. So thank you for joining us. You can find us at Launch Left on all socials. And if you rate and subscribe and tag us, we'd be really happy to enjoy the show. This is how she likes to start things. <laughs> no. She's getting into position. Well, I actually would like to be introduced to these two lovely ladies because when I was introduced, I mean... I, I know Sam, or I've met her before when I was a child. You can talk like she's in the room. Don't do like third person. Like, Ugh, so you know. Just leave it. <laughs> Let me just get to the point. But <laughs> she introduced her daughter as one name, and then her daughter interjected and introduced herself as a different name. Is, this not, is that not what happened? No, it is what happened. She introduced me with my artist name, oh. and then I wanted to more personal oh. and give you my government name oh, <laughs> i want you. your government name the government simone. name i didn't choose <laughs> so i'm not more personal than my yeah simone yes oh, what a great name good choosing from your folks even though you didn't choose the it. government do you, do you not like it is that why your artist name is something else sorry I no no i do like it um but there's there's now it's a trifecta of artist names where i'm i've been telling people that the, the producer is S.I. Histoire, which has its own meaning. Um, histoire is like l'histoire in French, history, story, but it's a Haitian French, it's a Creole French. Histoire, just a simplified. And then, um, but then I say that I my role is dog in the band Mutt. Or sometimes <laughs> yes. I'm Mutt in the band Dog. It just depends. It's interchangeable. Not to be referred to as dog God. Okay. Um, sorry, that's a uh, that's a inside joke that from um, my brother River loved palindromes, and he called one of his songs "Dog God." Another one, "Senile Felines." <laughs> so we uh, we're versed in palindromes. And um, speaking of River, that's really how we know you, Sam. That's how I know you. Yeah, you. Uh, how many years ago? Um, because Si Simone's dad was helping produce Alica's Attic. That was the first. Thing. And then um, was working with River on um, the thing called Love. Doing, in fact, I remember 
this is it's so vividly river to me. I remember T-Bone was working with him and Sam Matheson on, you know, becoming Nashville songwriters in the film. So, you know, their performances. And um, he had mentioned to River, we were on the set one night visiting, and he mentioned to him that he had not been paid. And I remember River just went into his trailer and said, okay, I'm not coming out until you pay T-Bone. And shut the cool. whole thing down. And, and that was, that's so him, right? Yeah. I mean, he just... How how many people are that brave to you know or that fearless to just say no? Okay, you're going to pay him now, and or I'm not going to come out and work. Yeah. So and they did they did right away. That's totally him too. T that kind of uh, uh, generosity, but courage, you know, too in that way. Yeah. Stand up for what's right. Yeah, because I I think I I feel like one of my theories is that you know that 2008 crash that happened emboldened some of the um, powers that are for now um, to really take advantage of people and and to make people very scared you know mm-hmm. of not having enough and and just just a lot of fear in the culture and I think that's permeated the arts and so my hope is that that goes away that we can push the love oh, I know, love to it. get the the fear out of the way because I, I think it, it really does if people are afraid of that they can't make a living you know which I, I think you know, if you're alive, you don't have to make a living, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Right, you're living. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, and that's, I'm glad that you said that because, I mean, that is sort of the the ethos behind what we're doing here with Launch Left is, and, and it's inspired by River's courage as an artist, you know, because he was poised to be a heartthrob and he made a choice to um, speak his truth and, it, it kind of not when it, it when it wasn't very cool to do that or in or whatever you know um and and so those are the kind of artists we like to talk to as much as possible um or inspire the conversation around that that courage you know courage in the arts and, and using your voice to say something your record uh is so powerful in that respect sam i just um i was listening to it and blown away by how you, you your lyrical turn well first of all the orchestration the musicianship the production the songs the catchiness all of it is there but I noticed because I do listen to lyrics how skillful you were um, with your turn of phrases and the way that you shared your heart about your feelings about America fear love loss all these things not in a shove it down your throat soapbox way which I think is super important and not to sort of just you know preach but more to uh, include the fears we all have right yeah. and so thank you for making a piece oh, of work that, that I, spoke to that I couldn't help it but it, it, I think it is. It's called World on Sticks, and I think that that title is descriptive of how I feel right now in this world because it, it's just wobbly. It's I, I feel I, I choose the optimistic view. I think that it's um, we're in a transition. We're, we're a very polarized planet. I think there's a lot of good going on. There are a lot of fascist and horrible, you know, plots rising up. Um, so it's a it's a really tumultuous time, but. Um, but that's yeah. The the album was supposed to be more descriptive of that, not pointing the finger, you know, at anyone, but talking about that the feeling of being in this world that's wobbling, you know, back and forth. Mm-hmm. Well, you can. Uh, I felt it. Certainly, <laughs> um, Simone. How do you feel about being in such a musical 
upbringing um did it is it just part of your like was it kind of part of your i assume it was part of your childhood a lot you were surrounded by music with both your parents being very musical um um, but did it did you just always know you were going to be interested in music or was it something that grew on you well i think it happened in several different stages where Maybe genetically I was musical, but I feel that we're all musical in very different ways. Um, I didn't, getting into music, like research and listening and, you know, almost musicology and being very precious with the music I found was, I went down a very different path than what, you know, my, my parents listen to and like, which is very common. So it felt very much like my own thing but I didn't think I was going to make it or do it as some form of, I still don't know, really, but uh, if I'm going to do it as a career or whatever, I mean, that sounds really unappealing, but but making it is great. Um, it's just a very different, I mean, now it's funny because I talk more to my dad about making music and like he's almost coming around in, in his 70s to the way I think about music as like more visceral and maybe less lyrical or less... Um, less song formish or something. Yeah, I don't know. It was. It's very different. We we approached music from very different places. I think. Were you trying to burn your parents when you said that they were listening to common music? No. <laughs> did did you I say common? common? Yeah, you did. <laughs> she didn't say common. I don't know if I said common. Well, you, I don't think you said that they were listening to common music, but you said it that you had differed. Your path had differed. From your parents, which oh, which was common, common for your path. Oh to no, differ yeah, the from, common uh, that. Okay. I'm glad we cleared that up. I really like, needed. I missed that. Yeah. No, no, that was good. I'm glad I wouldn't say that, but I meant that it's it's stereotypical for the kid to say, you know, right. This is my music, you know. But right. that it was it wasn't exactly like that. There was no protest from them that I was doing my own research, you know. The only little argument was like downloading music illegally because I couldn't find it anywhere else. Like, right. you know, Soul Seek is the best. Well, I mean, I think <laughs> it's safe to say with music and art, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm going to say it's safe to say that, you know, all forms of expression within it are still within, you know, like art is art or making music. Some people really like just music, no lyrics or melody. and. Mm-hmm. But there is a, a, you know, and I guess in the traditional songwriting format that we're more used to, there's a, anything deviating from that is outside of that, right? But I think now more than ever, well, I'd certainly say my opinion of you and both your parents are that you're all very left of center and that you're unapologetic and you're making art because it needs to come out. Right. So that's sort of what we're interested in or talking to artists that make art just because that's what they have to do. Sam, I loved your response when Rain said, oh, thank you for this. And you were like, well, I had to. Yeah. I had to make this record. Yeah. I mean, that's not to say that um, a lot of times you see the latest pop thing or, you know, and and you know you feel a little you start shrinking a little bit like wow I'm not the broadcast quality technicolor thing that that is but then that's just you know that's just a thought you got to just let that go and that's again that's just fear I mean it's it's so corny but I honestly think that it's that love and and especially self-love is really 
key to being an artist. I think it's really important. And that's not to say that, that so many artists have hated themselves and they've done good work. <laughs> but I think it, it makes it so much easier, you know, when you do, you are able to love, you know, yourself and what you have to say and what you do. Because, I mean, I... I love Bob Dylan, and, and really, by all intents and purposes, after hearing a lot of things that he did, it would be easy to just say, "Okay, that's it. I quit." You know, why? Why do I need to make music? But I, but that isn't the point. We all need to make something. You know, music, food, art. You know, we all have a. There's in our little uh, village. There's there's something that all of us do need to do. So Sam, sorry about that. You yes, know, you know the the premise of the. The show as well, or one of the things about the show is is talking with um, someone who has been in music for a long time, and we really respect and we really love their taste, and and that person uh, sharing with us an artist we may not have heard about, and that's you've brought your launched artist who also happens to be your daughter in. So I just wanted to ask you um, what made you choose. Miss Simone, I'm going to forget your stage name now. S.I.E. And it was blatant nepotism. She hates my music. <laughs> it's all a lie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my god. No, goodness. it's actually yes, exactly. I want to hear about that. It's yeah. the reverse. <laughs> Let's get that. It's the reverse of what she was talking about. It's actually because she took such a different path and has um, focused on so many different kinds of music, avant-garde and electronic music that is not, that that hasn't been within my focus um, I just, it's delightful. I love what she comes up with. She's also, um, her instrument, unlike, um, I feel like I'm a song interpreter, you know, but I think Simone is actually a singer and a, and has many, uh, her instrument is her voice, and she has this incredible, uh, many voices, actually, that she's, um, that she chooses, that she can, you know, do. So I, I find her music so interesting, and her lyrics and her ideas. She's also a beautiful visual artist, and I think all these things are really important to um, expression. I, I don't. I know as a songwriter myself, I don't. Um, it's not just about listening to to music to be inspired. Sometimes it's about you know just looking at the trees, hanging out with the trees, or um, you know reading something, um, seeing something, um, hanging out with someone. It's so many different um, things contribute to you know making art, making music. Would Thank you guys you. ever consider collaborating? Yeah, but I I mean like I don't even believe it's there's some it'd be interesting to write together cuz I don't even believe that anything I'm doing is expression like I'm not expressing myself all over the place, you know what I mean, like a feral cat or something, but I think I approach I think my instrument is more like arrangement and I approach music as um the concept of like a watered down idea of some other kind of music you know like I'm I'm mimicking and I'm echoing I don't see it as new and I don't see it as expression but um you know Sam has a really great way of approaching music um from an organic like letting it grow out of her she's not replicating she's not synthesizing so I would much rather produce her than write with her because I don't think she needs anyone to write with her I think that would be... I'm going to (laughs) cry. I love hearing that. But yeah, I'd love to... I would love to synthesize what I've heard and internalized in your music growing up, you know, and take it to an extreme or something. That would be interesting. I would like to revisit um, Omnipop. 
Uh, what's <laughs> Omnipop? Let us hear about this. Omnipop was a record, record yeah. I made in 1996. It's yeah, my favorite it's, record of hers. Cause it's, is it really? The production on it is wild. It's, <laughs> it's, it sits somewhere really uncomfortable in a lot of moments. Yeah. Who produced that? Did you produce T-Bone produced it. Okay. T-Bone Burnett, yeah. yeah. So. I don't think he's produced anything like it. Like anything similar to it. Oh, know? that's interesting. Yeah. No, it sits oh. in this really bizarre place of being like um like a like a depression era medicine show and then also being psychedelic, being very Beatles influenced and then ex- extremely modern and shiny and pop sounding in an almost parody way or something, but the songwriting is great. Animals on wow. Wheels. So good from that record. I bet if I heard some of the songs, I'd totally know it. I didn't know the title of the record, but does that mean that we may have heard it here first, that you're going to produce and re-look at that record? I think I'm finally ready for Simone to produce Yeah, whatever she wants. I I think um, I'm I'm very ready to take everything apart. And uh, because I I also think, you know, it's an interesting thing. I've never really had a hit. And, and I'm so thankful for that because I feel that I have so much freedom because of that. Be, because even some of the best of us, you know, um, when we have something, when we get a lot of applause or we get a little snack for our trick. Do you it know? again. Do it again. Do it again. Yeah. You know, and it's very easy to, um, to get settled in that thing instead of moving on and doing different kinds of work. It it's takes like a lot of superstitious. It may be superstitious or just, you know, you get love for doing something. It's really, it's addicting. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, so I like pushing forward and I, and and I especially like being able to go to revisit the past and, and um, do some things with the past. So I'm excited. Yeah. I think it's a first. I think, okay, should we shake on it? Yeah. Is that going to happen? Shake. Yeah. I'm going to shake on it. I want to design a vocaloid out of your voice and make the vocaloid sing some of the songs. Okay. Oh, is that that app that sort of takes your voice and... No, um, just say no. It could be. Oh no, I was just listening. I was just trying to. But um, just what's say a vocaloid? No. A vocaloid <laughs> is like a synthetic voice. That's you know when you hear that very. It was like remember the Wii video game. Mm-hmm. You hear they could sing sometimes, or you know they're designed to be their own little personalities of voices. You can design your own very easily just by, you know, having a machine read the details of so, how you sing. Would that would you have the machine read the details of how Sam sings and have that and then Yeah, have it perform cool. her lyrics for her. I think that would be really interesting. Yeah, that I can just I could stop altogether. Or I could just walk up. on stage and press yeah. the button and it'll No, but I think it's that's a really interesting You could press the button and get a treat. And get a treat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, do it again, do it again. <laughs> like the chicken and the piano. Yeah. Um, one but, of one of um, S I um, Simone's early songs or early performances. She she had a turntable and she um, had there was an old R and B song that she would drop the needle on and and speed it up. I think it was to seventy eight and this thirty three record. And she wrote a whole song over that that wow. was really beautiful. That um, with bowed bowed guitar yeah. and prepared guitar. So that kind of I, and I love mixing things like that old and new. So this it sounds like you know, right up your alley. As too. soon as you were speaking about like your process of music, I immediately thought, oh, so you prepare it. Are you mm-hmm. referring to like um, that? Isn't that like a genre prepared music where you take an instrument and like say put a fork in a piano mm-hmm. string or so yeah. that's something that you. 
I was really interested in tabletop guitar then. Mm-hmm. Also prepared piano, but I didn't have a grand piano mm-hmm. just on hand to cart around to performances. That would have been awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was interested in the idea of like stationary items playing themselves and then you know the, us being a band i've always been interested in guitar band music but felt alienated from it i just felt like it was never my surf rock was never my scene i don't know like i couldn't get in the guitar band thing um so those were my bandmates i guess do, playing themselves animatronics is my goal to have an animatronic like Chuck E. cheese band <laughs> that would be amazing i think you can do that Maybe I maybe if I like, what do you do for that? Get a grant or something? Ooh. Have someone build them? There was a guy that toured with um, yeah, what was Causeway or because yeah, uh, yeah we were night. in a band and it was like we are the robots or something robots yeah. and he had like a robot band. This was Whoa. like late nineties. It was oh, no, just early him. aughts, right? It was her, just him and he had and an he, entire. Yeah. And no it, maybe way. it's it was he on somehow, part of him. Yeah, he somehow made them move their thing. It was kind oh, of crazy. I gotta find the name for you. Yeah, link Be- me. Yeah, I will because I don't know that. I mean, this was a long time ago, but it was amazing because he would drive the van and they, you'd see these things in the van with them. It was kind of wild. <laughs> I think it was called We Are the Robots. It no, is. Well, that's I'm also a song, sure. though, isn't it? We well, are the robots, Kraftwerk. Well, and. That's a that's a band you're never going to break up with because they're just right. they're pretty easy to get along with. <laughs> Their egos in the van. are chill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you might develop multiple personalities. I'm pretty sure. That's true. <laughs> See the yeah. world from every perspective. You of start each animating robot. them, talking to yourself. Yes, yeah, full psychosis. Oh, that's, that's yeah. That would be entertaining. A wonderful as well. possibility. For that whole experiment. <laughs> did you both study music? I did not. Simone is studying music. You are studying music, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm studying music. How's that going? <laughs> I'm, t- you know, I'm really, I'm awful at, um, at the theory. I'm really terrible at it. But they're, and they're not being patient with me, the mm-hmm. teachers, because they're kind of like, you know, I told them I don't even know the note when I came in. I didn't even know the notes on a staff, and they were like, "All right, no, it's okay. We'll accommodate you." And by the time I got in there, every single theory teacher was like, "You don't deserve to be here if you don't know, you know, the, this stuff already." And it's it's contentious when you're dealing with straightforward classical well there's like the new music school and they're all cool with me and then there's the people who want to make you know um like big pretty shiny movie scores and they're really not into it Mm -hmm. you know they want everyone to be studied in this one way and are you staying in that and doing that because you're challenging yourself and you i think so i think it might be out of no, I didn't quit yet. Um, <laughs> Tune in next time. Yeah, it <laughs> we'll could be completely masochistic. I don't know what it is. I don't know where it comes from. I think there's um, everyone has a feeling of deficiency in what they do, especially if you don't have like a really great foundation for what you do. If you're not trained, you're always going to you know be critical unless you're you know like a cis white guy, and then anything is fine to do at any time, probably. Um, foundation. Not anymore. <laughs> Yeah, no, not to anyone else, but, you know, I still get, there's still, like, bros in my music program who are, they don't, they can tread anywhere and they feel fine about it, but I'm very apologetic for making music at all or, like, you know, wasting anyone's time with my music sometimes, so maybe I'm studying music to try to make up for that. That's the bad part, but um, I enjoy the art classes and the critical theory classes a lot. That's the cool part, and there's some music teachers who are, really more into like the conceptual aspect of it all so 
it evens out. It's interesting because I came to music through um, through dance, through my body. I started mm-hmm. um, dancing when I was three, and and um, really learned time, so I could you know play guitar and, and keep time, and and um, and just learned about phrasing and all that kind of stuff. I think when you're, because it seemed like I was always dancing to um, a lot of uh, you know music that was a little bit more um, melodic, and so I I just think you listen differently. You know, when you're dancing, when you're interpreting, you know, music. And so that it was kind of an interesting back way into, mm-hmm. you know, music, studying music, developing my ear, I guess. And, and I think that one of the things that's very frustrating, and Simone does have a great ear, or I think you have a great ear for music, but it's, that's your curse as well, because then it's very hard to, to connect the eye and the ear. So if you're trying to read music and do music theory, sometimes that's a, that's a disconnect that's hard to connect because your ear is going so much faster mm-hmm. you're processing it so much faster than you know reading it in the weird old conventions are strange mm. like looking at a lot of baroque music which is cool but it's really confusing you cannot you're not allowed I to bet. ask why <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. parallel fifths why don't ask that <laughs> I don't know yeah we can't it was the, for the de- the devil would be conjured if you did that's that. probably know. yeah well, it was a tritone was. I don't know okay yeah that's funny. <laughs> I think it's so interesting. Um, I think I've struggled with that myself because I've played piano since I was nine years old. River taught me um, a song that he wrote, um, my first few chords, and I kn- and we had been we were living in a house that had used to be a school, and it was the first time I think I'd ever really, you know, seen a piano, and I was nine years old, and um, and I've played for the rest of my life, and I've written, you know, uh, music that whole time, and I've struggled with that same idea of like, well, I'm not trained, and so where, you know, what does my, you know, is what I'm doing music mm-hmm. in an odd way, you know, mm-hmm. and. Um, and I think it's as I've gotten older and I realized, I mean, honestly, I just do it for myself. So I think it's a different thing. I'm not looking to reach anybody or connect with anybody through that. But it's something that I think about a lot and to hear you talk about that. And I, as I've gotten older, I I have adopted more the idea of like, it, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. And just because it doesn't, you know, didn't come from learned, you know, no, I have no idea the the chords I'm playing. But you do, you know, that's what my argument was with all my teachers. Exactly. You do know exactly what you're doing and learning names for just like, you know, the way people talk about something like perfect pitch is like assuming that we would all know the note names. You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. a lot of assumptions that like the rules and what we called music after it existed somehow is more important than it itself which is like a really difficult philosophical issue that no one's addressing when teaching music you know well and I we were just talking about on the way over a, a friend of ours um Kifus, who's a wonder who collaborates with T-Bone a lot and and um worked on the True Detective score and um what is he doing now he's he and his wife are doing the Killing Eve the score to the the BB show, BBC show Killing Eve and he's um, a brilliant pianist and and um keyboard player 
Um, but he likes to throw curveballs into the mix when he's performing live and just in general, because I, I think there's that thing about, um, you know, when, when everything went digital at first, we all felt like we've got to put the noise back in because what, what happened to all the, you know, the, the natural noise, the noise of, of um, you know, analog and I think there's that thing. He's, he's very accomplished, but he wants to throw some curveballs back in there to make it less, you know, perfect, I guess, for lack of a better way to say it. Which I think that's such an interesting instinct that he's <laughs> changing keys in the middle of the song when there wasn't a key change there. And the band's like, well, OK, now, OK, we're going that way. All right. We'll, we'll just go that way. You know, the possible, yeah. you know, wreck that might happen. That's what's so beautiful about music and art in general is that it it, yeah. it can hold all of that. It can hold so many things and there doesn't have to be one one path, right? Or one right way to do it. But I think it's yeah. so interesting that you're still trudging, even with your understanding of that, Simone, that you are still trudging forward in this um, to become learned and trained in this way. And I commend you i think that that's that's amazing truly thank you i've I've, uh from for myself hearing sam a little talk about movement as a way in you know that was definitely uh i always sang since i was three with river he played guitar i sang so i've been doing that just was what i was doing you know that early you guys were playing wow and so it was always a part of my life and there was never even like a study it because i was always doing it Right, there wasn't this mm. thing where then now you're going to go to school about this. It was like that was who I was, right? Be- like yeah. before I could barely talk, I was singing, sort of thing. So it just became who I was, and so I think I took that into the way I create compositions or write too, and a lot of the way that I write lyrically is stream of consciousness based on melody because that's what I mm. heard first was like he would play guitar and then, you know, then the melody yeah. would come or and so. A lot of times, I I almost, when you were saying superstitious before about, it was a different subject, but it's almost like that's how I write, and I get concerned to know too much outside of what just comes bubbling up when I hear melody, because then I feel self-aware, and when I feel self-aware, I make changes and things for other people, and I'm not just experiencing the, like, the just flow of it like it's not just coming out it's like oh maybe that's weird and that you know so a lot of times I'll try to just kind of step up to a mic and record when I hear like when I'm writing a song I'll get a melody from somebody or I've written a guitar thing you know and then I'll just step up and a lot of times those lyrics that I mumble I'll find the lyrics that match the mumble but I just kind of and that's for me always been I get very that excites me right as a writer I get excited by that and there's some times where you have something you just have to um, expunge a situation that happened or sadness or whatever it might be so you're starting with the lyric or you're starting with the thought exactly I I feel very much I do the very same thing and I I feel it's um, interpreting the melody. I, th- I think the melody has something to say, it's, and sometimes it takes me a long time mm-hmm. to figure out what to come as close as I can mm-hmm. to what I feel the melody is saying. But it sounds like the same kind of process. Yeah, that's that, so yeah. cool. Rain likes to refer to that as SOC. Yeah, stream of consciousness writing. <laughs> it's not. It's nothing new, but I, I like to abbreviate it to not make it so long. SOC writing. Yeah, the source is a really you know that old concept I mean that was Plato's idea too that all knowledge was inherent and inaccessible to to all to grab from um, 
kind of like the concept of the cloud now. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> wow. But I think that's really interesting, yeah. and I think, you know, Robert Ashley, who's a great composer, talked a lot about automatic writing, and I take that very seriously, but I also admire, we're very different in this way, too, where you won't use placeholder lyrics, you won't make sounds until you are really sure about what the melody is saying, and that reminds me a lot Oh, sorry. Now I'm going on a stream of consciousness. Good, like, good. That reminds me a lot of Stephen Sondheim and how every mm-hmm. word had a perfect place so that it was meaningful and it hit. And every phrase was simplified and it was going fast. And he was so aware of that and in that structure. Um, he just streamlined everything. And I'm, I'm sort of the opposite where I'll chip away at it. You know, that's I'll focus on it for hours, chipping away, chipping away from a from a placeholder word, until the word just takes a takes up a sonic space that like geometrically makes sense to me. But hmm. you have such a skill of like a very human. Well, it might be maybe more conversational, but I also yeah. feel like maybe because of the dance background, I also feel that the rhythm is really and phrasing is really important to me in a song. Mm-hmm. That's um, and I think sometimes songwriters miss that. Um, they miss the just the lilt of the way we converse put into melody sometimes, and and that's not always a good thing. But you know, it, it can help in in some cases. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it's anyway. Yeah, the the rhythm and the phrasing. Do you ever kind of pop a phrase in and the rhythm in a way that is counterintuitive, uh, like to the melody, just to like you said your friend does live, mess it up, like kind of throw something that's unexpected. Does that do you kind of go against your own instinct sometimes and go, I'm going to try this opposite day thing? It kind of it kind of happens. Um, Anyway, but but I'll tell you, uh, I just wrote a song not too long about a year ago with uh, Roseanne Cash, and she gave me a lyric. And I don't it, usually we're talking about you know melodies first, and so that that was a really interesting collaboration for me because I had to I felt that I really had to push her, you know, you lyrics around in, John. in the melody <laughs> to be Elton John to her Bernie to her Bernie. Yeah, Hollywood but it, created a superstar. The most weird <laughs> phrase. Forcing that lyric into that melody like nobody's business. Just yeah. So yes, I'm doing it to other people, not myself. I yeah. guess. <laughs> I was doing it to Roseanne's lyrics, pushing her lyrics around. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, your new record, Sam. A lot of earth activism coming through that. Is that some clearly something intentional? That, I think that when all came down after the election, um, everybody thought, you know, which direction am I going to go and what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I felt the beginning was we've got to protect the planet because that's, that's just basic. That's the first. That's the number one, you know, thing. And, and um, I feel very connected to the Surfrider Foundation. They are beautiful. Uh, they lobby for clean water, you know, in, in our state. Um, they've... Uh, my father-in-law um, is was he passed away a couple of years ago, but he was um, worked for the Coastal Commission, and he said that for the last thirty years they really have been great lobbyists, you know, trying to outlaw single-use plastics in in um, you know California, and also just you know all the beach cleanups and really trying to protect fresh water and um, the oceans. So that kind of stuff is I think is just so basic and so important, and especially you know, having a daughter 
wanting there to be a world left and our you know water is so important so I think it just got so overwhelming with so many issues um, coming to the forefront rising because of the information that we are getting at us constantly and, and this rough political you know thing that we're going through in this country and and really throughout the world um, all of that just made me feel like I just wanted to hang on to the earth I guess to the planet and and um, and I also just v- became very connected to the tree in my backyard. <laughs> he mm. became one of my very good, you know, friends. And and um, I know that sounds, you know, totally nutty, but normal to us. But by yeah. the way. well, they're you know they're living <laughs> beings. And I I was raised in Christianity, and I think I don't see any conflict. Um, I think there was some kind of a. A thing, and the people in the church thought, "Well, you're worshiping rocks and you're worshiping trees." And said, "No, no, no, that's not it. It's just that everything has spirit in it, and it's animated and um, beautifully with spirit. And we just have to we have to be quiet and and be reverent. You know, that's the one thing I do take away from my Christian upbringing. I think reverence is something that's really important, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to the the earth. Mm-hmm. You know." To all beings, to all of life. And to all beings. To, to spirit, right? Yeah. To if we went back to that, I don't think there, you know, and love, I don't think there would be mm-hmm. a lot of the problems that we are having with our ambition and our, you know, full speed aheadness. You answered one of the three main questions we always ask, which was kind of what are you passionate about in terms of a cause or, or activism? And so, Simone, I'm going to turn that question to you. You don't have to have anything at all but we like to just see if people have something they're passionate about well I agree I think differently about but agree with everything you just said Sam but I I also believe that in the church of euthanasia a little bit Chris Corda that we should probably not have kids anymore that's not really a real cause that's a, a little tongue in cheek but I, but I mean it I can't believe you'd bring someone into this world before you know correcting it um Hmm. yeah overpopulation is a problem we do this is a source of a lot of problems but mm -hmm. yeah but i also think placing so much value on human life but also placing none at all willing to risk it all for for a decade you know what do we have seven years before it all starts going wrong like Hmm. i think that we should start looking realistically at the value of Objects and items and trees and rocks and reevaluate how much humans matter to us. You know, I don't know. There's a great dystopia record that's really a lot about overpopulation and environmentalism and maybe even eco-terrorism. The way, depending on how you read into it, it's called human equals garbage. And as simple and as punk and as metal as that sounds, I think um, we are our garbage. There's is there more garbage than us? I don't know. Like. I don't. When, I'm certain uh, of it. Yeah, yeah the, it's I, yeah. it's just, you know, the pounds of garbage we make a day. Like we should stop making harsh delineations between the garbage and ourselves. I think there's has to be a huge hmm. psychological, philosophical shift where we have to address more than our humanity, and that's why art has to change, and it is changing. It's becoming hmm. more like the garbage and more like the machines that we are controlled by or you know that we are so tied to human less a less humanist world is what i'm fighting for i guess what's well, interesting more holistic view of yeah a more holistic world. view one of the songs on my record american landfill kings was about my my father 
passed away three years ago, and, and as he was transitioning, he, um, he was very, uh, he had dementia, and he had become a hoarder, and had, and so at the end, my job in the family was to clean out his place after he died, and there was so much stuff that we, I was trying to find homes for all of it and recycle what I could, and, and, and it, it was overwhelming, because at the very end, there still had to be, you know, two truckloads of stuff taken away. We had to get it out of there, and we didn't know what to do with it all, and, and I just, it, it really hit me then, this is one person, and this is all the stuff that he had at the end of his life, not even at his probably most accumulative, you know, point his possessions and um and I, and I thought of all the people in the world and how many things that we have and that we uh, you know that we won't and it's it is overwhelming and I think that that's um yeah that's a constant thing I'm turning over in my mind too so I I, I think you know really important to reevaluate it but quickly you know and I, and I think that the sad part is I think we do need politics, we do need laws, we do need the government to help us do that because I, I would rather everyone, the light goes on in everybody's head, or mostly everybody, and we push forward in love and, and you know, in, we're inspired to create a different life, and I think that that's so many of us, but I don't think that's going to make everybody, get everybody on board. I think also, the law may have to come down to but it, Yeah, you know, but it's also change. like, it's the timeline, it's the amount of time that we have that only institutional change and like only, you know, the, the addressing of of corporate mistakes is going to change at this point. Like if yeah. everyone got a hybrid car, it wouldn't, it wouldn't matter. I don't know if I can. Curse. Yeah, you can curse. We <laughs> like it when you curse. Oh, wow. It's the Except opposite of what she her. said. She's yeah. my baby sister. She's not allowed to. You are. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but no, it's like, that's the only way we could even reverse a tiny amount of it is institutional change. Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't matter if every single person used a canvas bag. It's, it's right. so it's so unfortunate. It's not that you shouldn't. It's not that anyone right. should give it hope, but it's that we should all be thinking about how to come together as the masses to, to create that institutional change. To admit that we're in a climate emergency. We're yeah. not just trying right. to be more eco-friendly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 man. yeah I know. And it's, uh, it's I've been looking more and more at that. And it's, it's hard. It creates anxiety. And, you know, there but it's just so important. I think it'd be so cool. I mean, if you have extra time when you're not studying that you start doing like artist panel discussions about it and getting the word out to like a massive thing at the Arclight and organize a concert with it. I mean, you know, you can do that. I've been thinking time. a lot about it. I've been thinking about the only way I would use VR was to create a world 30 years from now that people could walk around in, you know, with That's sound. Awesome. And even it could even be some sort of just soundscape, you know, the technology wasn't available to me but I think you know we're not really I just rewatched Idiocracy and I was like hysterically laughing the whole time because I was like man we're like we're so not far from watering our crops with Gatorade or whatever it was like we're losing touch so quickly with reality for the sake of greed I think yeah. it's going to take people like really experiencing it I mean they don't want to see the you know that dystopic reality that's like impending it's like so close to us I understand that but mm -hmm. We have to. We have to look at it. We yeah. have to experience the anxiety. It's what's going to push us to to change. Take action. Yeah. 
I do know someone. Uh, I went and saw someone who was working with VR, not in this capacity. It was like for concerts, so you could like show up at Coachella in the, <laughs> or whatever, or like, or be in an aquarium to your favorite song, to your favorite Sam Phillips song. You could like be swimming and listening to your song, which was really interesting, right? And it was beautiful. Like I went and tested the thing. This was a couple years ago, because VR. I'm sure even since then he had a whole company. He was kind of trying to pitch it to different people, and I was working with this charity at the time and um and it's it's the technology is there i mean maybe maybe you should meet and talk to him and see if you can't if you make him yeah. do a test of that because that's actually a necessary thing to look at yeah I it's think, the like, opposite <laughs> of the escapism that exactly. we imagine with vr we imagine vr is going to take us to a better place but i'm trying to say let's take it to the the worst case scenario which right. is probably the most probable scenario yeah <laughs> also. i mean i just don't think oh my gosh i can't believe i'm saying this with two children of my own <clears throat> I just don't think it's gonna make a difference I feel like people we see it it's not like mm. it's not like the end of world is coming it's like we're apocalypse now like we're living through it day to day and it is more in our faces than ever before and yet each and every one of us is that's why I think implementing it on this grander scale where it's law yeah Yeah. that is the only way it's going to change Mm -hmm. we can't you know it's yes we can each do our little things and suit up and show up and put one foot in front of the other and and show kindness and etc but as far as ecologically i just think it has to happen on a you know global level and, and now Mm-hmm. And it has to be our the powers that be that that implements that. Mm-hmm. I also love to ask who your influences were, like your greatest influences musically um, for both of you. So whoever wants to start. You know, I think I was inspired by, I, I, I think a lot of stuff went in when I was a kid, you know, because that's when you're just, you're open and, and um, a lot of, luckily, there were a lot of melodies around, you know, classical music or and, and beautiful jazz that my, my parents were playing at home. But then I think everything else went in from television, you know, from uh, the Sherman Brothers writing all those Disney musicals that I'm sure that went into the, you know, the late 60s and early 70s, all the, the, the things that were on the radio. Um, but, but I don't know. I, I, I found so many little melodies and and pop melodies um that that you know i guess you could say one hit wonders novelty records as well as some of the more beautiful um you know like rodrigo the composer um you know some of the beautiful things that he wrote um and i'm just i'm still finding them all the time you know Mm -hmm. there's a young composer i think if i hadn't i don't think she she doesn't really need any help but someone that that someone showed to me uh, mika levy She'd do Under the Skin? Yes. She's amazing. And she did... Pikachu um, in the Shapes was her first college band that people know her for. That's Mm -hmm. wonderful. And then she did the the score to Jackie, which I think was... Mm -hmm. I think she was nominated for an Academy Award and such an an amazing um, musician and composer. Um, But I I don't know. I think it's all influencing us, you know, all the time. I I would hope that... I mean, I've tried to listen. I have such a tight focus... But I try to listen, you know, and find those things that that are delightful because I think that's, like you said, rather than you know trying to go to school on you know things that you know you need to listen to, which I have, right. Right. you know, finding those little bits and pieces that give you 
delight for whatever reason, even yeah. if it's not cool. Yeah. I wanted to hear from Simone, her, uh, who, who has inspired her musically. And look, you don't have to pick. What I did yesterday and it caused a lot of anxiety to the artist on air was <laughs> pick two artists that influenced you. And they're like, you know, Only it was a little two, much. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah, and I did it. I was like, I'm doing it kind of just to mess with you because two is really hard to ask for. So, you know, more just like people that, um, and like you said, you're not even sure you're pursuing music. And I, I don't, I, I, to me, I, I think... A real artist doesn't care about whether it's a career or not. They just have to make things, right? And it sounds yeah. like you have to make things. So what has inspired you to want to make things? Well, you know, I don't know. It feels like music is pursuing me a lot of the times. It feels like a scary monster or something. It's, I'm kind of of the Lou Reed school if I just don't care at all. And it it seems to happen regardless if I, if I want to or not or if I think I have to. I never think I have to make music. But... Um, there's, I mean, okay, favorite favorite vocalists, I guess I could, if that's my instrument, as you said, um, Billie Holiday, Nina Simone, especially on Nina Sings Ellington, and um, you know the Ray Charles Betty Carter duet album. I mean, I could keep it's. It is really hard. Eartha Kitt. I don't know. There's a lot of voices that I've adopted and a lot of phrasing that I've studied for a really long time. Actually, I could just say. Um, Kesarbai Kerkar and Pandit Pranath are two people that I've studied recently um, a lot. That in terms of instrument, I I study voices a lot. You know, um, Ima Sumac. I love like Marvel voices, voices that don't sound like anything else. Um, that really are instruments. Prince. Um, but in terms of music, I mean, recently I've been really into the idea of, like, dirty Hollywood glamour, Kim Fowley, Angeline's records. Oh, my God. Driven to what? Fantasy, Angeline. I didn't know she had records. Oh, my God. It's this totally, like, manufactured career that she's just, I think she's a genius, and I want to make some, she's my dream collaborator. Like, if I could produce Angeline, I'd could keel over and I it wouldn't matter you know I'm just, sure she'd be well I, up for it dude. as long as she got paid I think she'd be into it I don't know <laughs> Angelina if you're listening um but but you know I, I became really fascinated with like the dirt and grime like the the Berlin era of Bowie and thinking about him living on cocaine and peppers and milk and just the insanity and of um of that time of what I'm calling glam and I'm kind of doing like a musical thesis on that that'll be coming soon hopefully um oh, well yeah. I'm so excited for <laughs> anything and everything that you have coming me too Thanks. Bootsy Collins recently I've been just like I used to be George Clinton all the way and now I'm just like I didn't even know how much Bootsy did but oh my god Bootsy is a bass player I've been thinking a lot about Jackie Liebezite of Can as a drummer there's just you know it's like a Big old, it's a ginormous quilt. Chris Corda, as I said earlier, Victim of Leisure. It's a great, it's a great song. I Like to Watch is a great song. It's about 9-11 and um, the Society of the Spectacle. Mm. Have you seen tw Tales from a Tour Bus, the animated um, Yeah, show? I did. And you said Bootsy. I was like, did you see the soul season? Yeah. The amazing. Betty Davis episode? was awesome because no one ever talks about her and I've been arguing for years that Miles, Miles Davis Miles Davis Miles Davis <laughs> Miles Davis was completely inspired by the women in his life like Juliet Greco 
mm. showed Miles the cool. There wouldn't be any cool without her. She was the cool, you know. She embodied it. And then she, he met Betty Davis, and she was like, "What is this suit? What are these loafers? Like, let's get." And it says that yeah. in the episode, and I was like, "Hell yeah!" Like <laughs> yeah. this is this goes. You know, she goes. She's completely not acknowledged. She has a record, a recent, more recent record, like two thousands or something. That's fantastic. Like. Man, she's amazing. I was that, so that happy show for that. is such a great way to get a, 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 like microbursts of knowledge through laughter too, <laughs> because the, it's an animated show and it's real stories, but they animate the real stories. And it's Mike Judge, right? Or it's Mike, Mike Judge. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. It's, it's one of my favorites. It's yeah, wor- and they did great. a whole season on uh, you know Country Legends, the one before. So oh. if you get a chance to watch it, I recommend it yeah. highly to you and all the listeners out there. That's next. Okay. <laughs> Um, and who are you listening to now, or did you share that with us? Like, who's who's actively part of your earbuds? Um, right now, I've been I've been really I've gone through the music that I've found so precious. Like, I found some records that meant everything to me. Harold Budd, yeah. Laurie Ander- I got way deeper into Laurie Anderson mm. um, and listened to you know her whole live, all of her live stuff. And um, there's a there's a Brian Geisen record um that I love I don't know that I found the real treasures and now I'm sort of looking for disgusting horrible music that pains me Mm. and one of those things was always true for for um Prague always pained me and now uh now I've been listening to Rush and I actually really like it I don't know there's I've been listening to things that make me feel kind of sick and give that reaction because I'm kind of tired of beauty. Um, I don't know. I'm searching. I'm really in a, I'm kind of in a dry spell of finding new music for the first time. I want to be your time. friend. <laughs> <laughs> I You're want so her, cool. I want her to host launch left. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Thanks guys. That's really? You're like a wealth of knowledge, and you just got such a gentle voice while you tell us. I'm like, can you just keep going? I know. I was telling Sam when you guys left and went to the bathroom, is that I I didn't I know that you felt that we were disgusting, dis depressing things, but in fact I was in awe, just staring across the table at you and and how you are the future, and. <laughs> And that the future is indeed bright. Thank you. I'm glad you feel that way. I I totally agree. And I want to just make sure that Sam gets to share her uh, current earbud listening to. My current... What was I listening to? Uh, You know, I think I can just start like stream of consciousness. I was thinking about one of Randy Newman's songs or, you know, many of his songs... um, uh, God, I just I'm I'm constantly you know I live my my uh, husband is a violinist and an arranger and so and and a vinyl collector so there's constantly music. He's got some beautiful reggae collections from the '60s where they're doing you know Beatles songs. They're doing old you wow. know, recordings that are and they're all different. Uh, well, it, what's funny is they recorded um, Beatles songs, but they would give them a different title. Because they might have changed some of the words or something, and so you don't know. Like, I mean, it's a Beatles song, but and and some of the collections don't even know really who the band is. Um, just some of these old, you know, great recordings. Um, 
and classical. I, I just found uh, Grieg, the the uh, composer that's just so beautiful, has some beautiful melodies. Um, Make a note of that, sis. Yeah. G R E G. Uh, e I G. E I G. Yeah. Yeah. Grieg. Yeah, I'm brushing up on a lot of the classical that I I didn't hear when I was growing up. You know, with my husband being a violinist, he does know a lot of those things. So I'm always learning from him. You know, finding new composers and and um, he and Eswa as I um, Simone are, are you know go to school all the time on the avant-garde and mm. lesser known yeah. well. artists. And the, the, who was the, the woman, the Indian woman that you were? talking about um, that you've been listening to lately kesar by Kerkar. she's that's well, it's not lately i've been listening to her for for a long time like but you you just played her, her you just played her for the first time a few days ago for me and that's just that's some other kind of um she was a master in my opinion yeah a master i don't think she was vocalist and it's it's some other kind of place that you go to listening to that because it um you know in my what i'm realizing is that um you know, our attention is so precious and so important, and that attention that goes into, you know, her, for instance, her singing, her whole life, the training that she, all she did was sing and train, and that attention that she paid to her, to making that music, um, that comes across in such a powerful way. That it the is... The study of listening, like Pauline Oliveros would would talk about you know yeah it's all a life of listening yeah a life and I it's so interesting because when you were saying you were talking about being um, happy for the future and, and I was even thinking launch left pod, podcast um, it's I feel that that S.I. Simone um, dog god god dog is no I, don't put it but I think I think it's all but all of this I think is launching <laughs> launching life not you know launching yeah. a life um, I, I hate to, to, you know, make it just a career or reduce a handle or reduce it to yeah. anything, reduce it to a contract or, a, you know, a, a campaign, right. you know, but but a life and a way of looking at things. Yeah. You yeah. know, so th- and that's what I'm I guess that's what I'm most excited about, that kind of art, because, you know, making visual art, I, I make visual art just for myself, for fun, um, to soothe, you know, myself when you're talking about making music summer, you know, on the, on the piano. And it's it's just so important. It's it is life. That was a very strange answer to what are you currently listening to. <laughs> <laughs> but you're no yours was pretty avant garde. You're too. no stranger to strange. <laughs> <laughs> She's no stranger to strange. She grew up with it. Oh, you guys, what a treat! So nice to have you, ladies. In. Do you wish you had a daughter now? No, you have no, a sister who's totally emotionally immature, so you can just raise Stop me. Touching me. <laughs> Um, this was really a treat. And thanks for sharing your light and your music and your words and hearts today on Launch Left. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Hi, this is Sam Phillips, and the artist I would like to launch is S.I. Istwa with her song, Fucked Up, Insecure, Neurotic, Emotional, Fine. So, so. 
Left aims to create an intentional space that highlights and empowers all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice but a necessity. Launch Left begins with music, but its ultimate aim is to launch left of center artists in all creative fields. Everybody, 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 everybody